Matt, what are we doing tonight? We are sitting in front of a very large and scary amount of people. They're just kind of blank face staring at us. Should we should we introduce the other folks on this evening's podcast? Yes. Should we say where we are? Uh, I don't really know where we are. If we're talking geographically, we're in the middle of nowhere. That's somewhere. Right. Yes. Like Atlantic. Yeah. This is St. Thomas, best I can tell. <laughs> we are in the St. Thomas room. And it is kind of underwater level, I think. And we are joined by not one, but four special guests. The most special guests we've ever had. Yeah, it's all downhill from here. We also have a live audience. (laughs) (laughs) We do this once a year, and and we all kind of come together and and discuss what we're going to do for the next year and and how the past year went. And I think it's a a great way to kick off the next ten episodes of the podcast. Yeah, I, I think so too. So this is season one. Episode one. Because we zero dot. Right. Do you know that we still haven't actually introduced the four people that are sitting with us? Matt, please make introductions. Okay. So to my left, I have Mr. Rooney, and he's always here. I know that one. To my further left, I have uh, Sarah, who is the Minister of Magic. Hello, everyone. To my same level of left, but slightly forward, we have uh, we have Dave Tier, one of the founders of One Password. Hello. Uh, to my right, forward, we have uh, we have Rustem, one of Hi the there. other founders of One Password. Hello. And to my left back. Uh, a good sporting position. We have uh, Shiner, the CEO. Yeah, hiding in the corner. <laughs> Should we get into the segment where we completely ignore them and just talk about the news now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, yeah, let's get into some Watchtower Weekly. One stuff. thing that I want to try is, right, one of, the, one of the feedback items that we've had from the podcast, which, you know, I, I love feedback. I think, it's, I think it's great. When you like something enough to give feedback, it's, it's impressive. Uh, one of the things that we had was that we don't have any jingles. People want jingles people really want jingles so what i want to try and i'm careful because i'm i'm like mic'd up and the rest of the audience isn't right but what i want to try is like a watchtower weekly do you want everyone to sing yeah that's an awful idea (laughs) why we can reuse it you want to use it more than once (laughs) i mean i think so let's give it one go sure okay did everybody get the tune (laughs) okay one Two, three. Are you telling me that wasn't fucking awesome? (laughs) It was awful. And now I'm going to have to listen to it every episode. (laughs) All right, Matt, what's our first story tonight? So both of our stories are about these kind of audio boxes that you have in your house that seem to listen to you all the time and people don't see, seem alarmed by them. And the, the first one is, is basically around the Ring security camera. The Ring doorbell camera. Yeah, so we, I don't think we have these in, in the UK. So it was discovered that Ring, uh, which is a, is a subsidiary of Amazon? Yeah, I think so. That in order to uh, sort of further their machine learning around the types of things that the Ring doorbell can identify, they outsourced a whole bunch of work to a Ukrainian company and basically said, here is an Amazon S3 bucket full of every video that every ring doorbell has ever captured. Please go through and annotate them uh, with all the metadata that you, that you see in that picture, uh, in, in the videos, uh, which no, didn't trip any alarms to anybody that that was just a massive sort of privacy invasion and, and, and you know, potential security risk. So they have Ukrainian people teaching machines to be doorbells. That's correct, yes. Right, okay. So typically we just have one guest segment but I, I kind of want to know, like, what you folks think about this. Like, this is meant to be a bit of a conversation. The term "smart product" really, like, we should raise the bar a bit. I think if it's 
like if it's if it's actually a machine doing it, that's when it's smart. Otherwise, we shouldn't use that term. Well, I think it goes a lot with what we're really seeing this year, right? People are becoming more and more concerned about how their data is being used. I mean, obviously, a lot of the the Facebook stuff that that came up sort of kicked that off. But I think more and more, when you look at it, you look at what's the company trying to accomplish for me. But underneath the covers, you want to know that they're not selling your data or abusing your data to accomplish that goal. Right. And I think we're going to see more and more of that in 2019 and people just being or trying to be aware of how their data is being used, even if the end result is good. What's fascinating for me and, and a little bit scary is that there doesn't ever seem to be any giant public backlash when stuff like this happens. You don't, you don't see calls for boycotts and ring doorbells. People are just like, ah, oh, that's weird, kind of creepy. Oh, well. It doesn't. It doesn't seem to sort of set off any any sort of avalanche of, of change. Yeah. So uh, Amazon did have a reply. They said uh, after the initial publication, Ring spokesman uh, Yashi Shamiri told the uh, Intercept that Ring employees never have and never did provide employees with access to live streams of their Ring devices. A claim contradicted by multiple sources. And they also used the word live streams. So right. I mean, that is a live doorbell. But is there is there a statement of a live stream saying that they never watched as people were at the door, but they watched, you know, the, the archive video from yesterday's... That, that know, seems to be, door. yeah. Five minutes ago. Um, one of the things they said was they could just, with, with a customer's email address, they could just go and view their streams. That's, all, that's the only information they needed for this. Yeah, that's crazy. This all said that uh, Ring employees at times showed each other videos that they were annotating and describing some of the things that they'd witnessed, including people kissing, firing guns, and stealing. Like all at once? Yeah. Like who's firing a gun on their doorstep? You, you acted like that was normal. <laughs> <laughs> Do you go out every morning and just like, pow, pow, on the doorstep? <laughs> Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Cool. So the other the other one that we have uh, is about a Nest security camera, and this one, I mean, you know, there's a sensationalist headline, but apart from that, basically what happened was a hacker took over someone's Nest camera device, and they read or played over the top a nuclear bomb warning, and said that there were missiles incoming and that they had like 30 minutes to leave. So this is very similar to the, the one we did a couple weeks ago where it was Amazon Echo telling people to, telling kids to kill their parents, which was a glitch. This is a hack. Yeah. Okay. None of these are great. But this has been fairly similar for a while, right, with the baby monitors. I mean, that's, that's been yeah. going on there, obviously, in a more limited way, but for, for years. Yeah, that's true. That's true, yeah. Apparently, the, the camera was vulnerable for a while. And, um, you know, this was a password reuse problem. This is pretty awful for a number of reasons. But one is that, like, I'd believe this. If, yeah. if like, my, you know, audio box thing just came and was like, hey, there's, there's a couple of, well, it obviously would be a little bit more formal than that. Hey, there's some missiles headed your way. You should probably get out of the house. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but if you think of it, like, they've got now those emergency broadcast, you know, messages or texts that, that go around. Right? So it, it's not unreasonable to sit there and assume that they're going to have a similar sort of thing over, you know, over these types of devices. And, and if they make it sound reasonable enough, I guarantee you some people will, will believe it. Yeah, the, the woman said it was five minutes of sheer terror and another 30 minutes trying to figure out what was going on. Because, I mean, you know, when something happens like this, you do kind of infinitely Google for zero information. Right. Yeah. Cool. So that's all the, the Watchtower Weekly that we've got. 
That was great. Ringing success, Matt. So, Matt, what, we, what else are we going to do on this episode? Uh, well, we're going to talk to these lovely people here. Oh, thank goodness, because they've been way too quiet so far. <laughs> so, one of the things that I, I kind of always love hearing, and I've, I've heard a number of times, but it's always really interesting, is, is how 1Password started. So, let's start there. Who wants to, who wants to start there? Actually, it's kind of nice, because I just got done writing up an essay, uh, well, a little mini-essay on, on how 1Password got started there. And um, so, I, you know, just, just recently I was having flashbacks. Um, I started at IBM and, you know, I really enjoyed my time there. Um, but as a developer, you basically got to develop and, and that was it. You know, you had lots of good friends and all this type of stuff, but you, you never actually got to work with the actual customer hands-on, right? Um, that was all delegated to like the sales and marketing and customer support teams and, and all this stuff. And, and so you as a developer, you just got told what to implement and you would go run with it. I always wanted to know how people were actually using the stuff that I was actually creating. And so uh, Rusin was also working at uh, some large companies and, um, you know, having, having, having similar problems. And so we actually, um, we, we met up at, uh, I guess, a couple places, but World Vision was, was, was the main one. And there we actually got to, we were getting closer to the customer. But still, we didn't really have control of what we got to make them, right? We were, we were, we were able to talk to more customers and, and actually use the product ourselves. Um, but you still didn't have that whole feedback loop of being able to actually work with the customers and, and, and develop what they're asking for. So anywho, we uh, ventured out on our own and, um, and we started making uh, websites of all things. So that's originally we were called Agile Web Solutions. And it was fun because we were working on Ruby on Rails at the time and we were doing things like at least 10 times faster than what we were doing in, in the corporate world. And Rusum, one day, just pitched me this idea that he had. And so when, when you're making these sites, you have to go and you have to test them. And you would have to like fill in like the wrong credit card information, the correct credit card information with the wrong date, like, like all sorts of different things. So he wanted to make this tool that would allow you to save the forms, just save the entire web form, and then just restore the entire web form. So much so, it was all focused on forms, we actually called it OSX form at the time. And so we actually uh, decided, okay, well, we'll take like a month off from, from making websites and we'll just create this app. And then we'll upload it and um, I'll hopefully get a couple users, uh, you know, to pay for the time and then we'll, then we'll get back to making our websites. And so when we uploaded the app, um, it was one pass WD at the time, um, we uploaded the version tracker Mac update. And when we, up, when we uploaded it there, I don't know, something just absolutely magical happened. We started getting replies from customers saying, oh my God, this is what I've been looking for for, for years. Like, I've been looking for this for, forever, right? And we'd be like, like it just blew our minds. Like we were, got really excited, right? And, so, and then they would be like, it's just missing this one little thing. We'd be like, oh, let's fix that. So we'd, we'd add that one little thing and we'd ship a new release and upload it to version tracker and the person would just download it again. They'd be like, oh yeah, thank you so much. That's great, right? And like now we're on this high, right? So we, we wanted to work even harder and develop even more, uh, which got customers saying even more nice things. So it was like this virtuous cycle where we just kept on building on top. And I don't know, that was what, 13 years ago now? And it just, that, that initial uh, flame is basically still going, right? Because like, you know, I wake up each day and I get to actually see what customers, like, what problems they're experiencing, what successes they're having, and actually get to talk with them and then actually take that back and develop it and then, you know, release it again. So it's, it's just this virtual cycle that I, I really enjoy. It is one of my favorite 
origin stories. And I don't just say that because I work. Like, I love the fact that you guys, like, just took this. You're like, we're just going to take a little time. Just a little time, make a little tool, and we'll get back to our other thing. It's like, it's supposed to be a month, one month project. That would, yeah. It was supposed to be. So, we're, what you're saying is you're way over schedule. <laughs> Rustam has not gotten much better at estimating, I should add. <laughs> <laughs> what is the big thing you, in security you think that we will see this year? Are there trends? Are there are there trends that you're seeing in the industry, in the security industry, that you think are are going to become are going to sort of blow up this year? Maybe things like YubiKey devices or you know 2FA de physical devices. It seems like there's there's more of a trend of people going back to that kind of sort of external authenticator. Yeah, I'm excited what Apple is doing with uh, with the security. Right, we we see changes. Not Apple, but all the major browser makers like Apple and Google and Firefox. Um, I think there are a lot of improvements in terms of, for example, in Safari, when you create a new account, the new password is generated for you, and they're also integrated with biometrics, so you could do, like, touch ID. So I think that's going to continue. So I think it's pretty exciting. It's, it's interesting. That's always been, whenever stuff like that has happened, that's always been good for us. Mm -hmm. People, you know, the initial reaction is, oh, that's the one password killer. Apple. I'm so yeah. sorry. Apple just Sherlocked you. We've been Sherlocked four times? Yeah. And what it does every time is instead it increases people's awareness of, of the fact that a password manager is a thing. Or 100%. this year it was Apple's, uh, they're, they're now flagging reused passwords, which is uh, now people are going to start to realize, oh, I should be using a strong, unique password everywhere. Okay, maybe a password generator. I, I hear about these. And every time it just creates this little balloon effect for mm. us, which is really, it's really, really neat. But I think the, the one now where Apple is, is actually filling in a suggested password when you're signing up for an account is going to be huge Absolutely. because if I look at it, like, like I watch sort of, you know, maybe my dad or, or you know, so who's not all that um, savvy when it comes to computers, he's going to go and he's going to sign up for an account and he's going to see a password there. He's just going to assume that's the password that should be used, right? And yeah. so no longer is there a thought of, you know, do I have to make one, right? right? And so... Once that starts to happen, it's going to be you know fantastic for the individuals because they're going to start having truly unique passwords for each site just by signing up for accounts and having that filled in for them. And then obviously at some point they're <laughs> they're going to want to sit there and say, "Gee, how, how do I remember all of these?" Right. right? And that's you know so I think it's it's fantastic for just the you know average person who's just going to now be truly starting to understand how to how to treat these accounts. So. Where do you think the focus of one password is going to be this year? There's there's a number of areas of focus. I'll 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 let Dave talk about the one, but the one that that I'm excited about is a lot of the the focus that we're putting on user testing and onboarding. As we continue to to go forward, like more and more, just you know, average everyday people are using password managers and using one password. And let's be honest, it's not the simplest thing to set up. It's still not. We kill ourselves to try and, and make it easier. We kill ourselves to try and understand where the rough edges are. But when you go and you set up a password manager, it's still not the simplest thing on the face of the earth. And so the, the user testing focus that we've had for, what, a couple of months now and you know, will continue throughout you know, 2019 and beyond, I think is really giving us that strong view of how can we make it easier? How can we get people to understand the concepts and get them from sort of the install to where they're actually using it day in and day out. I like to say people come obviously for the security, but you use it for 
couple of days and all of a sudden it's, man, it's just nice not to have to fill this stuff in anymore. The cognitive load just reduces massively. Yeah, this, I'm going to throw this one at Sarah. What's the most exciting thing that we've done this year? I think the usability and trying to get to users that are like me. As someone who's here and is not a technical user and as someone who just wants to use it and be safe and get on with my day, I think focusing on making my life easier, <laughs> which thereby makes everyone else's lives easier, um, but making the lives of the people who are just using it, because I think that's actually one of the trends I was going to say is that I think more people like me and other people who are not really into tech and don't really think they need all of these things and have hundreds of apps on their phone, but only three they actually use, I think a password manager is going to be one of the ones that they're using because the convenience that it offers and the ease of use, but the number of breaches that are coming out, people are seeing that more and more and more, and they're saying, how can I be safe? How can I make sure I'm doing this properly? And one password is a way you can do that. It's it's easy. It's there. You get the nice little report. You know exactly what you need to worry about, and you get it done. I mean, I'm disappointed the answer wasn't the podcast. We did we did start a podcast this year. This is the first one I've been invited to. If you guys would have invited me to any more of these, then maybe I would have been more excited. But you know, I don't know. This is what question four, and I finally get to talk. <laughs> so, Sarah, do you have a favorite customer story? I have a lot of customer stories. Um, being on the customer side of things is always, and and you do hear the customer stories that are always the most uh, frustrating and the most challenging. And um, we get a lot of customers who don't really know what they're doing sometimes, and they really need someone to walk through things with them and go slowly and all of that. Um, but I think my favorite ones always turn out to be the customers that come after us that are they're just so upset because they just can't get it to work. And I know exactly where they're at because they've uploaded the latest version and they can't find something or they can't figure it out. And then three emails later, they're like, oh, thank God you fixed it for me. Um, you know, I think those are my favorite stories. Um, and then when you run into people, it, it it's mind boggling to me when we're out and about and uh, just last week walking around and someone's like, Hey, your shirt, one password. Do you, you know, are you a fan? Do you know them? Like, Oh, we, we work there. And you know, Oh, I love you guys. We're all, you're on all my apps. You make my life so easy and this is wonderful. And I, I think that that's just an experience that's not ever going to get old. Yeah. The, obviously the ones where you can help take someone from red to green, as we used to say, you know, we used to have three levels of customers, red, yellow, and green. Uh, if you can take someone from red to green, it was awesome. I always love the ones where you can get a good, a good rapport going with them, where you can have some humor injected into the conversation, and, and sort of you build a little bit of a relationship. With them. Those are always those have always been my favorite. One of the things that comes to mind for me was was this week, right? When uh, Sarah, you bumped into a customer, and uh, he said, "Oh, I, I love one password." You gave him your lanyard, and then said, uh, "You know, if, if you see this guy around, his name's Alan. Say hi." And and in my head, it was like. We're we're a large number on this on this ship. Uh, I love the idea of everyone bumping into this guy and just going, "Oh, hi, Alan." I think he really did too. I think he was really excited. Like he was like he put the lanyard on. He was you know, oh, does this get me into special events? And I'm like, you sure bet you it does. Come on down anytime. We'll you know we'll treat you right. Don't worry. So uh, I want to say a very uh, special thank you for coming on to the podcast. It's um, it's been great having you. And, uh, yeah, it's been great working here. That sounds like I'm leaving. <laughs> it is great how, working how here. Is this the season finale podcast the finale. or the season opener? I missed that. Does this mean I have to do it by myself now? <laughs>
Well, on the positive side, you can kill the jingle. <laughs> so we, we have another new section for the or segment. A segment. A segment. Yes. Uh, for the opening of, of this series. We actually have two, but the new one is, is next week. So we have Explain It Like I'm Five. So I'm, I'm going to take uh, yes. uh, us through uh, some technology or something that happens, and I'm going to really simplify it and kind of go point by point. And then the other the other section is is replacing uh, the, the hard to pronounce place names. The hard to pronounce place names was fun. I think it's had its time. It had we're its we're time. okay now. Yeah. We we know that Wales has some difficult to pronounce places. Correct. Yes. And and I, I think this new one. I'm excited about this. I one. don't know whether Americans have phrases that make absolutely no sense to other cultures. I mean, maybe. Because like you guys own all the TV space, right? So like. Any weird phrase that comes up, it's probably been on the TV, and I've, I've, you know, I've seen it. Yeah. But because England is a little bit older, like how much older? Like a, you know, several hundred years. Okay. Right. Uh, I, we we have phrases that have come up, and and languages and and weird things that just make absolutely no sense. Mm-hmm. But everybody kind of understands them. In in England. In England, yeah. So yeah, we're gonna play what the phrase. What the phrase? I like this. This is good. Did you come up with this name? I came up with this name. You should be proud. It's good naming. <laughs> it's the best work I did a week. <laughs> You're telling me. Well, you can play a variant of that game. You could say American phrases. We wouldn't understand them either. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt, so what the phrase? How's your belly off for spots? I'm sorry, what now? How's your belly off for spots? Does anyone know this one? Have you heard this? I'm not this? even sure I know what he's saying. How's your belly, How's your belly off? off the spots? Off for spots. How's your belly off for spots? Are your chicken box resolved? Yeah. <laughs> is, it, is it disease related? It basically means how are you? <laughs> you weren't supposed to give me the answer right out the gate. I don't think you were going to get this one. I think I might have worked my way there. Yeah. yeah. And now we'll never know. So let, let, just so we're clear, you set up the new segment. And then I ruined it. And then you ruined it. <laughs> That's great. It sounds like it's time for the jingle. <laughs> Did you have a jingle to go with this one, too, no. you oh. dummy? <laughs> <laughs> so is that the end, Matt? Is that the end of, of season one, episode one? All right. Thank you, everyone, for coming to the podcast. Thank you, Sarah and Dave, Rustam and Shiner, for participating and being good sports tonight. We appreciate it. And thank you for taking us on this wonderful trip, as always. And, uh, I, I, I want a I room full of people saying love you, Rue. Love you, Rue. I love you guys, too. Love you, Rue. Bye. <laughs>